Go with me to Acts 24, please. Acts 24. We'll look down at the uh, 16th verse. The Lord's been dealing with me about this subject for some time now. And the way he does me is he'll be bringing things to me and dealing with me usually months before I start on it. And I'll be looking at it and thinking about it. And when he speaks something to my heart, I'll write it down. And and then you get to the place where you know. And uh, I believe that uh, he knows what's going on. And he knows what's coming up. And he knows exactly what we need. Right? All the Word of God is good and rich and it'll feed our spirit. But in order not to be spiritually deficient or anemic, you know, just like your body, sometimes it needs some of this. It may not, all the other stuff is good, but it doesn't need that. It's deficient in this and it needs this now. At another time, it'll need something different. And that's the way the spiritual body is too. This scripture says, uh, Paul said by the Spirit, I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. The NAS, the New American Standard, says it like this. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience. Everybody say blameless conscience. A blameless conscience both before God and before men. And then uh, finally in the NIV. In the NIV he said I strive always to keep my conscience clear. Before God and you could say before man. I strive always to keep my conscience clear. As you'll see, there's quite a bit in the New Testament about our conscience. And so I want to begin this evening a new series we'll call A Clear Conscience. And uh, this is, as as you'll see, a key to our next uh, steps, our moving forward. Go with me, if you would, to uh, uh, the book of... uh, Luke, Luke chapter 8, this is what uh, is called the parable of the sower, you could call it the parable of the seed, but in Luke 8, Jesus described, uh, verse 5, the sower, he said, went out to sow, and he describes the seed falling on four different types of ground. There's the stony ground, and there's the rocky ground, and the thorny ground. And in verse 8, other fell on good ground, and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. Now, if you've read this, you're familiar with it to know that of these four different types of ground, only one of them produced any harvest. The three other types of ground brought no fruit to perfection. No no results from the seed sown. And we know the seed 
was and is the word, so no results from the word sown into their lives. Is it possible to have good word sown into your life and get no results? It is. It is. Depends on what kind of ground you are. Well, let's read some of it and and get down to the part we want to emphasize here. He said uh, uh, some of it, you know, fell on the wayside ground. Some of it fell on the rock or rocky ground. Some of it fell on the thorns. Some of it fell on good ground. Skip on down to verse uh, 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then comes the devil, and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Did you know the devil is trying to steal the word out of people's lives? Now don't be afraid that he can just come take the word away from you, because he can't. If you read the passage, and if you, read, you know, Matthew also records this and Mark. And if you read all three, you'll find that the wayside ground, it said it was trodden down. And then Matthew says they didn't understand it. They didn't understand it, so it never got in them. And the reason they didn't understand it is because they didn't respect it. How many know you don't trample on something that you respect? It was trodden down. And so therefore they didn't get it. So there's a lot of folks that hear the word, but they don't respect it. And so they never get it. And so before they can get started with it, it's stolen from them, taken from it. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear, for the measure you meet to it will determine what you get out of it. And this measure he's talking about includes reverencing it. And uh, valuing it, honoring it, esteeming it. And of course you're doing some of that or you wouldn't even be here tonight. Right? You could be doing something else. But you find the word valuable enough that you have made effort and you have spent money and you've taken your time and you're here. Here with your eyes open and your ears open and your Bible open. Why? Why? Because you want some word. You you love the word. You value the word. Because the word. Is life to those that find it. And health and medicine. To all their flesh. The word will save you. The word will deliver you. The word will enlighten you. The word will heal you. The word will prosper you. Do you believe it? Give you total victory. If you say, well, I ain't got time for all that stuff. I'm busy. Well, you won't be bothered with it. Because you don't, you don't respect it. And so you'll never get it. You'll, never, you'll hear it. It won't mean anything to you. You won't understand it. You'll think, that's just a bunch of junk as far as I'm concerned. And don't realize the devil was right there grabbing it and taking it away before it could ever produce any results in your life. But... The, the next one he goes on to say, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. So they did esteem it and they did hear it and they did understand it 
And they got excited about it. So we know they're in faith. Right? And they received it. The seed actually got in the ground. Got in their heart. On the first one, it never even got in. It just was on the surface. And the devil came and stole it away. But this one, they got started. But they have no root. You got no root. You got no stability. You got no staying power. How many of you got no roots? If you got no foundation, the least little wind can blow you over. If you got no roots, the least little rain will wash you away. And they got no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. So they heard the word, they got excited, they received it, they got started. But when it didn't happen overnight, and there were some challenges, and some time passed, they got discouraged, and they quit. They quit believing it. They quit pursuing it. Did you know, if you believe God like a house of fire for three months and then quit, you get exactly the same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. <laughs> Did you know that? I don't care how much, how excited you got, how much you shouted, how many notes you took, and how many of your friends you called. If you get discouraged and you quit, you get the same results as if you hadn't even started. He that endures to the end shall be saved. You, you got to go all the way with this. What does that mean? Well, you just never quit. You know, I'm never going to quit believing that God's a good God. I'm never going to quit believing that the Holy Spirit is real and his gifts are real. I'm never going to quit believing that he's a healing Jesus. That he'll meet all your needs. I'm never going to quit that. Are you? No. If that's true, it means you got some roots. <laughs> Say it out loud. I got roots. <laughs> roots or roots, depending on how far north or south you are. <laughs> which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. Verse 14. They which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked. With cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So far, we got the wonderful, amazing, life giving, changing Word of God in three different folks' life and no results. I know we don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. We need to know it. It's possible to hear good Word, get excited about it. Take off on it and get no results. That will answer some questions for us, won't it? The Lord told us the answers long ago. Why did these folk not get results? Too much other stuff in their life besides the Word. And it choked out the Word. Now, This is an amazing thing. Can something choke the word? Out of your life? Obviously it can. Red letters. How many are going to believe what Jesus said? They that fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard, they're just like the ones on the, the stony ground. They heard, they received it, it got in them, they got excited, they're started. If they'd just stay on that path, they could have got good fruit. 
But after they got started, they began to give attention to other things more than the word. And they begin to pay attention to cares, pursuit of riches and pleasures in this life. They were preoccupied with playing and working and getting money and worrying. And there was so much of that that it choked, it used up all their resources. You, you know this, those of you that garden, uh, you get enough plants and weeds and stuff in your garden, it'll suck up all the water, it'll suck up all the nutrition, it'll get bigger and block out the sunlight and choke out your good plants that you planted. And so enough worry and enough work and play and stuff in this life can choke out the word that you heard and take preeminence over it and so that you get no results. But there's another. (laughs) Aren't you glad there's another type of ground here? See, so far, we've had a lot of people hearing a lot of word and no results. No results. Not God's fault. But verse uh, 15 but that on the good ground. Somebody say good ground. Yeah. Say it again. Good ground. good ground. Who volunteers to be good ground? I saw some hands go up before I got through saying the sentence. <laughs> Come on, let me ask again. Who volunteers to be good, good ground? These are the only kind of people that get results in their life. Are we to understand that there's a lot of people hearing the word And getting no results. Three of the four. Got no results. But they on the good ground. Are they which in an honest. And good heart. Having heard the word. What? Somebody say it out loud. After they heard the word. They got excited. They got started. And it didn't make any difference how many rocks or how many thorns. They kept it. They kept it. They didn't let anything make them quit. They didn't let anything choke them out. Somebody say they kept it. They kept it. They kept it. And they and they alone among the four bring forth fruit with patience. They had to stay with it. Patience means they persevered. But they did. Fruit means they got results. <laughs> they got results. Something The word produced results in these people's lives. In the good ground. And the ground is referencing their heart. They on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. We know the seed is the word. And the ground is the heart. What kind of heart is good ground? Honest. Did you catch that? Of all the words the Lord could have used, what's one of the most outstanding qualities of good ground heart? Honest. Honest. That's what we're going to get into. And as we do, we will get answers. As to why things hadn't been happening and why things have. 
and all that so that we can get rid of all the non-productive stuff, right? And just get some results and keep getting results. Say it out loud. Honest heart. A good and an honest heart. And actually, uh, where he says the good ground, and then he says honest heart, the same word translated good for ground is the very same Greek word translated honest. Good and honest are actually the same word. And as I was, you know, studying a little bit more today, the word honest in the Greek, it literally means honorable. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us. Look at the, the root of the word, honest, honor. They're the same. And there is no such thing as being honorable without being honest. You can't be dishonest and be honorable. Impossible. So good ground is honest ground. Can you say amen? Say it out loud. Good ground is honest ground. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Hebrews 13, please. We want to be good ground? So we got to be honest hearts. And we got to be persevering souls. If we're going to get different results from people who don't get good results, we've got to be different. Right? And we got to do differently. If you act and do just like they do, you're going to get the same results. In Hebrews 13, I believe it's about verse 18 or so, let's look uh, in the Amplified. He said, keep praying for us, for we're convinced that we have a good, clear conscience, that we want to walk uprightly and live a noble life, acting honorably and in complete honesty in all things. Do you see how honor and honesty is connected? They're same breath. A good, clear conscience. Honor and honesty. We're going to have to take our time and lay some foundation. Can you handle that? And uh, uh, I can't summarize some things. We need to go to the scriptures and just lay it one by one because we should have been taught things about our conscience from a wee child, but most folks have not been. Most folks haven't heard much about the conscience from the Bible, but it's absolutely one of the most important things we could talk about because, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, our conscience is the voice of our spirit, and it's how God talks to us. And to be ignorant of this is to be ignorant or dull to hearing from God. Now, uh, before we go further, go to uh, John. John, the second chapter. Laying some foundation tonight. How many know you need a good foundation if you're going to build something? It may not be the most glamorous part of it, but if you don't get it right, 
There's going to be problems later on, right? In John, the uh, second chapter, the Bible said Jesus and his disciples were at the marriage feast in Cana. And um, they ran out of wine, you know. And verse uh, 3, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. And verse 4, Jesus said, uh, my hour is not yet come. And verse 5, Jesus' mother, the Spirit of God through her, gave us the key to miracles. The key to miracles. And it's so simple. Two-year-old could understand it. What is it? Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Let's go over again this real slow. (laughs) Now, is this the key to miracles? I mean, just a little bit later on, he told them, go fill the water pots with water. And what'd they do? Whatever he told, they did it. They went and filled the water pots with water, and then he said, all right, take some out and take it to the governor. And again, they did whatever he told them to do. And when the governor tasted it, he was amazed. He said, you've saved the best to last. And they thought, huh? Because they knew it was H2O they put in there. He said, this is the best wine we've had. Something miraculous happened in a moment of time. And if a water can change atomically, uh, on a molecular level to, to a different substance, disease can yes. change to health. Yes. Right. Amazing thing, right? Yes. The miraculous can happen. Amen. A fog in the brain can change to clarity Amen. and brilliance. Yes. Do you believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth with whom nothing is too hard, nothing is too difficult? Do you believe all things are possible with God and all things are possible to him that believes? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe God is the God of miracles? But apparently we have a part to play in seeing and experiencing miracles. She told him, do what he tells you. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. How many would agree that A great key to miracles is whatever he says to you, do it. If that's so simple, if it's so obvious, why don't we see more and hear more? Why is it so confusing and problematic for folks? Because of this, hearing from him. They're all kind of Christians. Church-going people, good people otherwise, but scoff at folks like me and others that they hear, if you hear, they hear us say, uh, the Lord spoke this to me, or the Lord directed me to do this. They scoff at it. They go, ha, the very idea. He thinks he's heard from God. One of the said, all these folks hearing from God, hearing from God, bothers me. Another guy said, well, it's all these folks that never hear from God, bothers me. And... If you don't boldly act on what he tells you to do, there's, no, there's not going to be any manifestation of miraculous power. What if he had told them, go fill the water pots with water? And they looked at each other and said, did you understand that? The other one said, I don't know. Did the, what did the Lord say? Well, now I don't know if that was the Lord. You think it's him? 
Well, it doesn't make sense. Why would the Lord tell us to leave the party and go, go mess with the water and the pots? <laughs> that can't be the Lord. You sure you heard from him? Well, I don't know. Some people say you don't hear from the Lord like that nowadays. That's all passed away. If they couldn't have got settled that they had heard from the Lord and boldly acted on it, would there have been a miracle that day? They would not. And can you see what the problem is today? You got people all over the place that are saying, well, I, I, I don't know, was that me? Or was that the Lord? Or is that the devil? Or we just don't know. And people are confused in themselves about hearing from him. A lot of people don't even think you can hear from him. But you can. This book is full of people hearing from God. Isn't it? All the way from Adam and Eve in the first book to John hearing from God in the last book, right? And everything in between, Moses heard from God, David heard from God, Elijah heard from God. Come on, all you listening. Paul heard from God, Peter heard from God. They all heard from the Lord, didn't they? Well, you reckon he can still speak? Can anybody hear from him today? Yes, you can. And you're supposed to be hearing from him. And if you will boldly act on what he tells you to do, you'll experience miraculous things. Amazing things will happen in your life. (laughs) Selah. One of the issues is understanding how he communicates with us and identifying him. You have already heard from him. He is communicating to you or endeavoring to communicate to you. The problem is acknowledging, identifying him and acknowledging him. And that comes back to the conscience. Go with me to um, Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans chapter eight. And verse 14. Romans 8, 14. You'll hear us use the word voice frequently throughout this teaching. And 1 Corinthians says there are many voices in the world. None of them without significance. In other words, all of them's saying something. Got something to say. But do you know that you should not listen to every voice? Right? There are voices you should listen to, and there are voices you should not listen to. But when we say voice, don't limit your understanding to an audible sound bouncing off your ear. Voice is a sound, a communication. But let's talk about it like this. Your body, your physical body has a voice. It's feeling. Feeling is the voice of the flesh. Have you ever heard it? And it's not like my voice that's coming out of my mouth that you're hearing right now. And yet it's a very distinct voice. It'll talk to you. It'll tell you. I'm tired. I don't want to get up. Have you ever heard it? 
And yet we're not talking about an audible voice bouncing off your ear. And yet it's a voice. It'll tell you, I'm hungry. Get me something to eat. I'm hungry. And I want this particular thing. I want that particular thing. The voice of the flesh is feeling. Very real. Your mind has a voice. You ever heard it? Reason and logic is the voice of your mind. Your emotions have a voice. Feelings. Emotions. Your spirit has a voice. We're not talking about trying to hear something with your physical ear. But your spirit has a voice. And that's what we're talking about. A way of identifying the voice of your spirit is to identify your conscience. In the 8th chapter of Romans, verse 14 As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Can we expect to be led? Led, guided, directed by the Spirit of God. Are you a son of God? Verse 16, the Spirit itself. Now, most of your modern translations say himself, and that's a little better because he's not in it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now this is very significant. Don't let this get away from you. What part of our being does the spirit of God communicate with? Our spirit. He bears witness with. Say it out loud. Bears witness with. Now conscience Literally means co-co-knowing. Co-knowing. Or knowing with. Not just a knowing, but a co-knowing. And you can see it in this verse. There's somebody else inside you. Besides you. Another person. Hallelujah. Inside you. And he bears witness not with your body, not with your intellect, not with your emotions, but with your spirit. And in this particular verse, he's talking about he bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You're already familiar with this witness. Anybody born again in here? Anybody know that you've met the Lord and you gave your heart to the Lord and you know something happened to you when you did? Well, upon doing that, you knew that after that moment and you knew the next day and you know now. That you are a child of God. You know it. Do you know it or not? How do you know that? Because your spirit. When you gave your heart to the Lord. Your spirit said. Yay I'm saved. (laughs) 
and the greater one inside you came up with your spirit and said, you sure are. So you got a witnessing with. Now, if you said, Brother Keith, I'm going to call you. That doesn't mean I just hang by the refrigerator. Because you're not going to call me through the refrigerator. Well, I'll stay close to the air conditioner. No. You're going to call me through the phone. Right? But what if I am phone ignorant? I won't even acknowledge that there is a phone. And I won't have anything to do with them. And I got time for phones. But why haven't you called me? I need to hear from you. (laughs) Now I know that sounds foolish, but that's what's happening to people of God. People of God are begging God, God talk to me. Why won't you talk to me? God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Well, he's going to speak to you through your spirit. You keep trying to see something with your eyes. You keep trying to feel something uh, with your flesh and your emotions. You keep trying to reason it out in your mind. You want him to write something in the sky. You can go on like that for years, frustrated. When all the time he's speaking to you. If he can let you know you're born again. If he can let you know you're a child of God, he can let you know something else. Can't he? Do you know how he let you know you're a child of God? Let's come back to square one. How? It is a witness inside. It's a co-witnessing. A witnessing with. And this witness is... Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And we should have been taught from the time we were old enough to understand anything. This is more important than learning how to count. This is more important than learning your alphabet. This is more important. Not that that's not important, but this is more important. And it hasn't been emphasized. Hasn't been taught. Oh, how many lives could have been saved. If little ones and teenagers had been taught Heed your conscience. Heed it. If your conscience bothers you about something, don't ignore it. Don't override it. Heed it immediately. How many times people got into all kind of trouble and had all kind of terrible accidents and all kind of loss. And afterwards they said, I knew I shouldn't have gone. I knew. Well, if you knew, why did you ignore that? One reason is we have not been taught. That this is not just some iffy, spooky thing. This is the way God speaks to us. And we are to pay it close attention all day long and all night long. We are to heed our conscience. And what we get on the inside is to be first and foremost in our thinking. He said in verse 16... The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Then this should leave no doubt if you believe the word that God does. This is New Testament scripture now. He communicates with his people. And if he can let you know you are a child of his, 
Why couldn't he let you know something else? By the same method. By the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. Look over in the book of Acts and see an example of this. The fifth chapter of Acts. I know I'm giving you quite a a bit of scripture, but uh, you ought to be used to it by now. (laughs) And again, we're laying foundation. You need to make sure this is not my opinion or theory or yours. This is the word. Acts 5. Acts 5 and 1 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And verse 1 says, A certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Verse 2. And kept back the price, his wife also being privy to it. That's the same root word of conscience. Also being privy to it. And uh, listen to the NIV, excuse me, the um, Young's literal translation. Young's literal says, they did keep back the price of it, his wife also knowing. There's that co-knowing, isn't it? Also knowing. So it wasn't just Ananias that knew it. His wife Sapphira also knew. And inside you, somebody else lives. Right? And you got your knowing. And then you got when he joins, adds his knowing to yours. And that's stronger. I said that's stronger. Than just your thinking. And your meditation. That's how I make all of my decisions. Every day. Every week. Why would you come here? Why would you go there? Why would you do this? Why would you give this and that? The same way. Every day. Every area. I will think about it. I will look about it. But if I don't have that additional witness. It's not time to move. No matter how good it looks, how great an opportunity, how pressing a need, none of that is a leading. I need the witness to move forward. And if you don't have the witness, you wait. You wait on the witness. Why am I talking about this tonight instead of water baptism or prosperity? Or any one of a thousand other things that are wonderful and good. I had a witness about this. And again and again I've seen when we follow that witness. You look back afterwards and realize it was the Lord. He was leading you. Didn't the scripture say trust in the Lord. Well turn and look at it. Proverbs 3. 3, 5, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your feelings, with all your head, with all your emotions. No, no, because God doesn't bear witness with that. That's what sometimes makes people gullible and easily misled. You see people get all worked up and and they had an emotional experience and assume that's God or or they had some kind of physical feeling and decide that's God. And and you see New Testament Christians praying, God, if that's you, give me a sign. Have uh, five red cars pass my house in sequence and I'll know that's you. Or or Lord, do this and and I'll know that's you. Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Everything. 
Well, uh, Gideon put out a fleece. Gideon wasn't even born again. You couldn't tell him be led. He didn't have the option. But you and I are not to be led by external things. The enemy is out in this world. He can do some stuff in this world. If you're led by external things, you're easily misled. You're to be led internally. You know, people, uh, they mess their life up by following unscriptural teaching and bad, ungodly advice. And they get so mad and, and at the people that gave them the advice. And they go, well, you know, they taught me wrong and, and they told me what to do wrong. Yeah, and it's your fault. <laughs> you didn't have to listen to them. You got a Bible. You got the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to take anybody, myself included, anybody's words and you swallow them and do them. You got a Bible. And you got the author of the book lives on the inside of you. And you you need the witness. You hear people doing all kind of crazy stuff. I heard of a guy uh, a while back, you know, uh, somebody prophesied to him and this young lady. They're supposed to be married and be missionaries in another country. Well, they hadn't even hardly noticed each other. But so-and-so's a prophetess. So they got married. It lasted about three days. <laughs> and they, they were no success on the mission field. Somebody asked him later, did you have it on your heart? Well, no, I never really thought about it. But so-and-so's a prophetess. Well, they, she ruined our life. No, you ruined your life. You got a Bible. You got the Holy Spirit. I don't care who it is. You don't just do something that somebody suggests or tells you to do. If it's God in them, you also got God in you. And if it really is him, you will have a witness. When you hear it. Whether it's me preaching right now or it's any other thing. When you hear it, if it's right and it's for you, then when you're hearing it, the Spirit of God will rise up on the inside you and give you a witness. And you'll know, yeah, this is right. This is it. This is right. This is right for me. You'll know it. You'll have the witness. That's the way you're supposed to live your entire life. Make every decision. What did the Bible say Proverbs 3, 5? Trust in the Lord. With what? All your heart. Now what kind of heart is a good heart? Honest heart. That's the kind of heart that ground that brings forth fruit. And do what? What could mess you up in this? Your own understanding. So don't lean to that. He didn't say don't use it. Just don't lean on it over what you get in your heart. Because there will be times... When it'll look good to your head and you'll have a check in your heart, don't do it. And you won't know why, but listen to your heart. And there'll be times when it looks like, man, that's what you want to do. And the Lord will check you. No, don't do it. And you'll have to override your feelings. We're not to be emotion led. We're not to be feeling led. We're not to be reason led. We're not to be led by other people. We're to be as many as are led by the Spirit of God. 
That's one of the greatest reasons why our covenant is so much greater than the old covenant. And the old covenant, a few people among the millions experienced the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming on them to be a deliverer or to be a prophet or to be a king. A very few, very, very few. But the scripture says, the prophet said, in that day, they'll not say every man to each other, know the Lord. They will all know me from the least to the greatest. Hallelujah. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on my handmaidens and my servants. Everybody, everybody gets the Holy Spirit now. Everybody. Everybody. So you are not left vulnerable and dependent on somebody else to lead you in your life. And parents with your children and believers with new believers, you want to help people, but don't try to be their conscience. And as soon as you can, wean them off of you onto the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way they're going to truly be successful in life. It's following him. They say, well, you, you pray for me and tell me what to do. Mm-mm. No. You can help folk find what's in their heart and help show them what's in the word. But especially as they begin to grow a little bit, no, no, no matter if you think you see it clearly, do not play conscience to them. And do not try to play Holy Spirit because you're not. Amen. They need to hear from him. They need to get it from him. Go with me to the book of Romans, please. I know we have to build a little bit block upon block here, and it's because sometimes folk haven't heard as much as they need to about this. But uh, that's why we're ministering on it, to help make up for that and do our part. You're in Romans 8. Go to Romans 9 and the first verse. There's some rich, 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 rich things we can get to in this. But how many know there's no need going to four and you hadn't done one? We've got to get one or you can't get to four. But I'm telling you, I'll just jump ahead a little bit and kind of give you a preview and come back. How would you like to be crystal clear in hearing from God? Every day. (laughs) It belongs to you. It's possible. And what we're talking about will give you this. If you do it, act on it. If all of us will do it, you can become crystal clear in hearing from him. You think that changed your life? I became convinced as a teenage boy that if I could find out how to hear from God, I'd have it made. And now a few years later, I'm more sure of it than ever. It's the truth. You hear from God. It's the key to miracles. You do what he tells you to do. He's going to be with you. He's going to help you. He's prepare the way before you. And bring up the rear. Everything in between. Hmm? You do what he tells you to do. You got it made, brother. Oh, there'll be some challenges and some tests here and there. But you'll overcome. You'll pass. You'll overcome and pass. You'll be victorious. In Romans 9, 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. I lie not. How many believe Paul was not a liar? If he's not a liar, what is he? 
He's good ground. He's honest. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Here you see that co-witnessing. He said, I, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. I know it in my spirit. And the Holy Spirit is co-witnessing with me. The, uh, the Weiss translation says it like this. My conscience bearing joint testimony with me. In the Holy Spirit. My spirit is testifying. That I'm telling you the truth. And the Holy Spirit. Is testifying jointly. With me. That I'm telling you the truth. A witnessing with. Go to the second chapter of Romans. Romans 2. And verse 14. Romans 2.14. He said, The Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves. How do they know intuitively thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, don't commit adultery? He said, they're doing it by nature. They're doing it intuitively. How? Verse 15, they show the work of the law written in their hearts, having never learned it. They grew up worshiping uh, Diana of the Ephesians and every other kind of thing. They didn't grow up hearing the word, but they got born again. They got filled with the Spirit. They got the author of the book inside them, and even though they never read it, he's leading them in line with what's in the book. Notice how he's doing it though. How he's in them. But how is that getting to their mind. So that they know it and understand it enough for it to affect their life. How is it getting from the author of the book to their mind. Their conscience. Their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Their conscience. Somebody say my conscience. What's the important thing about your conscience? What Paul say? Always striving to keep it clear. Keep it clear. Why would that be so important? Well, do you want to hear from God? Do you want to know it's Him? Do you want to be sure? A clear conscience allows you to hear clearly. An evil conscience, as the scripture talks about, a contaminated conscience dulls you and confuses you. There is so much dishonesty in this world, all around us, everywhere. It's so prevalent and it permeates everything around us that we grew up around it and in it. And haven't noticed it like we should. People talk to each other. And a lot of times half of what they're saying. They don't mean. 
They're not sincere. People say things to flatter, to try to ingratiate themselves with somebody, to try to get something out of them. There's little and large pieces of dishonesty all over the place. And it's so prevalent and everywhere so much that, like I said, we've grown up with it. We're used to it. You know, if, if you grew up in filth, you don't notice it being filthy. That's right. You think it's normal. Until you go somewhere where it's clean. <laughs> and you know the difference. You go, whoa, this is spotless. Well, is it so spotless or is just your place so filthy? They are so sincere. They are so honest. Is it that they're so honest or that you've been so dishonest? What kind of ground gets the results? Now that doesn't mean people say, well, I know it. I'm tired of putting on, you know. If I don't like you, I'm going to tell you I don't like you. This is no excuse for being mean and cruel. One's got nothing to do with the other. You're still supposed to walk in love. Right? You can be nice without lying. Can't you? You can be nice without being mean. You can just smile and go, I don't think I'll say right now. (laughs) Or just emphasize the good. And you don't have to dwell on the other right now. But no dishonesty. Because every time we're dishonest with what we know and don't acknowledge what we know, we've damaged ourselves in hearing from Him. One of the most injurious things you can do to yourself and to the people around about you is to ignore and override your conscience. Go with me to the book of uh, Romans, please. And the... uh, Chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 15. He said, the, the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Where no law is, there's no transgression. The New American Standard says, where there is no law, there also is no violation. If you didn't know the law, how could you violate the law? And Proverbs 6.23, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 6.23 says the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Say that out loud, the law is light. The The law, when the Lord gave the law, how many know it has always been and will always be right not to lie or to kill, murder or to steal or to commit adultery? That's light. And of course, we maybe been familiar with that all our life, but that was given in a dark, dark world where everybody did what they thought was right in their own eyes and mind, and God gave it, and it was light in the earth. Amen. This is good, and this is right, and this is not. And so, sin is violation of light. Hold your place there and, and put up for us James, please, the fourth chapter. James chapter 4 and verse 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him 
It is sin. Why would it say to him? Isn't it just sin? Sin is sin? Apparently not. To him, it is sin. Why is it sin to him? Because he knew. Sin is violation of light. People have written huge lists. Denominations have come up with uh, lists about little sins that's not that big of a deal. And big sins that will send you straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Straight to hell you do this sin. And people have got all these ideas about sin. Well, is it a sin? So-and-so says it's a sin. Well, the council said it was a sin. Well, the such-and-such group says it's a sin. Sin is violation of light. If you don't know and you don't see it, the Lord doesn't hold you accountable for light he knows you don't have. Isn't he kind and good? But when you do see and do know, he knows what you know. And you may be able to con somebody else and act like you don't know. And you may be able to convince them you don't know. But if you try to, it's one of the worst mistakes you could make. Because in doing so, you have to override, ignore and override your conscience. When your conscience bothers you, what's going on? You see something. You know something. You're aware of something. Even if you're not fully aware in your head, your spirit's aware of something. And it's bothering you. What should happen? You should not push that down and ignore it. You should stop and focus on it and go, what's bothering me about this? What's bothering me? And if you'll do that, you'll stay tender hearted and you'll stay sensitive. That means very aware of the Holy Spirit and what he's saying and what he's doing. You have to act on it, though. If you say something hard to somebody, your conscience will bother you, won't it? But if you get used to ignoring it, you'll find you can say even meaner things. And it doesn't bother you quite as much. It's still scratching you and bothering you. But then if you ignore it another 89 times, you can get really ugly and mean and it hardly even bothers you. And you're in bad shape. You are dull in hearing from the Lord. And you'll go for weeks and months and say, I don't ever hear anything from the Lord. I don't know why he won't talk to me. He's talking. You're just not hearing. He's endeavoring to communicate. But he communicates to us through our conscience, through our spirit. How we ought to, I mean, when you're first born again, you're a little baby in Christ. And as such, you are a tender heart. Can you, anybody remember when you first got born again? Let, let your mind go back to it now. When you first, I remember when I was first born again. I followed my dad down the altar of a, 
uh, a wonderful Baptist church and bowed my knee in the front, gave my heart. I figured if he needed to go, I needed to go. So I followed him down and uh, got born again as just a boy. And uh, I remember the next day, uh, that was a Sunday. Monday, I'm in school, in junior high, I guess it was. And uh, I was looking around at the people. And some of the people I didn't think I liked much the week before, I thought, well, you know, they're probably good kids. And my heart was so, t- I remember just looking around at everybody and, and the love, of, I didn't know how to describe it, but the love of God was in me. And I was a different person and I didn't want to hurt anybody and I didn't want to be a problem to anybody. I wanted to help somebody. That's the nature, the love nature of God. That love's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost and that love causes you to be Tender hearted. Everybody say tender hearted. Say it again. Tender hearted. And everybody's that way when you're first born again. Everybody. No exceptions. Everybody. But it won't be long. It may not be a day or two. Until you got the same flesh you had the week before you got saved. It's the same. It ain't changed. And. If you had a habit of doing some bad things, you can yield to it again. And you can you can be mean, you can talk about people behind their back, you can lie, you can steal, you can do something with your body or with some kind of substance that you know you shouldn't do. But having been born again, if you do it, tell me what happens. Come on, tell me what happens. It will bother you. Are y'all listening to me now? It will, will it bother you just a little bit? No, it will bother you big time. It'll bother you. You might have done drugs till the cows come home before you got saved, and now you got saved. And I mean, it didn't bother you. You looked forward to it, but now you go do it after you got saved. Oh, man, your heart will smite you. You do something with your body, you do something, you say something with your mouth, you do something with your life that's hurtful and mean or what, it'll bother you. You cuss, you do something, it'll smite, your own heart will smite you. That's not God condemning you, that's your own heart. That's your conscience. And if you do the right thing, you wouldn't let it go the rest of the day. You would go find that person and say, I'm sorry. I should not have said that to you. I repent. Please forgive me. I didn't mean that. Or if you did mean it, say, I don't mean it now. (laughs) I I repent. It's not right. Please forgive me. Or if it was between you and the Lord, you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I I knew better than that. I shouldn't have done that. That's sin. That's wrong. I, I, I confess it. Forgive me and humble yourself. And if we would do that every time our conscience bothers us, we would stay tender and clear. Somebody say clear. 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 You would know the voice of the Lord. But most folks have not done that. They, their pride their embarrassment, they didn't want to go back and make it right. They wanted to be tough. They wanted to be cool. 
whatever, and they just didn't do it. And their conscience bothered them all day long, and they just ignored it, and just ignored it, and just ignored it. And when you ignore it, it's friction. It's friction in your spirit. When you ignore it, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And it will callous you. You know what happened when friction free? You ever work with a shovel or a hoe or an axe or something with no gloves? You do it, you do it long enough and that friction, friction, what's going to happen? Blisters and then what? Calluses. And no, I used to work out on the docks loading freight. And there were some of the guys that had been out there, you know, years and years and years. And, and during lunchtime, sometimes they pull out their pen knife and you sit there and talk to you and cut in their hand. They couldn't even feel it. Their calluses were so thick. I said they couldn't even feel it. I said they couldn't even feel it. Now that didn't happen because of friction for half a day. That happened for friction for month after month and year after year until they were no longer tender and sensitive hands. They were thick, thick, unfeeling. I'm not making this up. Have you read the scripture talking about people having their consciences seared? What happens when something is seared? Then you got scar tissue that is thick and unfeeling. This ignoring and overriding of the conscience causes you to get duller and duller to the voice of the Lord. Dollar and dollar. How about some good news though? I worked out there for years and I had calluses on my hands. But not anymore. I got the tenderest little hands you ever saw now. (laughs) Picking up Bibles don't involve too much friction. Why is that good news? Come on, why is that good news? It's the same with your spirit, no matter how calloused and dull a person may have become, it's not too late. You can quit ignoring your conscience. You can stop that friction and your heart will start getting tender again. It won't just happen all overnight, but more and more you'll get tender hearted and clear in your conscience and clear in your hearing. Yes. Say it out, out loud. Clear conscience. Clear, conscience. clear, hearing. clear hearing. Tender heart. Tender heart. Sensitive, spirit. Sensitive spirit. Praise the Lord. Now that doesn't mean everything hurts your feelings. That's another thing entirely. People say, well, that's, that's me. I'm, you know, I'm a, I got a tender heart and so I, I take things so to heart. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Nah. That's just being carnal, being a baby. <laughs> uh-uh. No, 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 no. Not the same thing. That's an excuse for yielding to your soul and feeling sorry for yourself. And that's the exact opposite of being spiritual. But it's as simple as this, friends. When your conscience bothers you about something, you ought to know the answer. What do you do? Do what you need to do so that it, it doesn't bother you. Right? If it's bothering you, somebody say, well, and see, here's where the problem comes in. Well, why would my conscience be bothering me about doing that? I mean, they do it. Don't seem to bother them. 
it might have bothered them greatly five years ago. Now they've got so dull it don't bother them so much anymore. Besides that, you're not going to answer for the life they had. Sin is not violation of their light. It's violation of the light you have. Go to Romans, please, the uh, uh, 14th chapter. He said here, to him that knows to do good and does it not, what is it? It's sin. So when you know something and you don't walk in the light that you have, it doesn't matter what anybody else preaches or what anybody else thinks about it. To you, it's sin. This takes away all the arguing and confusion and doctrinal disagreements and and debates and that means nothing. People say, well, it's, it's a gray area. Ain't no such thing as a gray area. Don't exist. If your heart bothers you when you do it, it's sin to you. Period. Don't try to get in your head and reason it out. Don't try to justify it and make excuses. All you do is succeed in dulling yourself to God. Getting to where you can't hear Something bothers you. Don't let it continue. Come to the Lord. Be quick to repent. Everybody said out loud, quick. quick. To, repent. to repent. Oh, friend, stubbornness, pride can ruin your life. Because you just put stuff off and put stuff off. And in the meanwhile, you're getting duller and duller and more darkened in your understanding and confused and more and more confused. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let any time pass on your heart bothering you either. When should you take care of things? When it bothers you, get right on it immediately. Immediately. Humble yourself. That's the people that get grace. And be absolutely honest. Honest. Well, they said, you know, I did something wrong, but I don't know. Some people don't think that's wrong. And, and so-and-so wrote a book, and, and they said it was okay. And, and uh, <laughs> you can tell by the way they're talking. They're violating their conscience. Right? Elsewise, they'd know it doesn't bother them. Romans 14. I know this is a little different tonight, but uh, we're going somewhere with this. We get this laid in a strong enough, it's the step we can step up on to go to the next thing. Can you imagine a church full of people that get up in the morning and hear from God? And this one's going over here and doing this. This one's going over here and doing that. This one's going directed by the Holy Spirit. And they're at the right place at the right time. Amen. Saying the right thing and doing the right thing. Yeah. Sounds like the book of Acts. Yes. Hmm? Yes. That's us. That's, we're part of the same church. Right. Aren't we? Yes, part of the same. We've got the same Holy Spirit. Got the same new birth experience. Too many. I've just thought, well, I'm a believer. I'll try not to be too bad. And I know I'm going to heaven one day. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they just settle for being dull and clueless 
about spiritual things? Well, that's what we pay our preachers for. <laughs> and a few ones in the church that really pray and know God. And if we get in trouble, we'll go ask them. No. No. Not the plan of God. I said not the plan of God. Romans verse 22, 14, 22. He said, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Don't try to push it off on somebody else. Don't try to push your faith off on somebody else. Don't try to push your faith off on somebody else. You say, well, I have faith to do this. You don't need to go to the doctor. I got faith that God can heal you. There's a little problem with that, though. It's their body. You don't need to do that. Just believe God. That's like sitting at home on the sofa watching a ball game. Talking to them. Hey, you don't need to do that. Just do this. Hey, what's the deal? What is wrong with you? Just catch the ball. Put your hands out. Close them on it. Come on. (laughs) That's ignorance. And easy for you to say on the sofa. Because if you'd have been out there, you know when you jumped to turn to catch the ball, those three cracked ribs you got last week really got your attention. And the sweat and blood was in your eyes and the sun, and you could hardly even see that there was a ball game going on. How many know it's different doing it? So, you know, look at somebody and go, well, won't you just believe God? I got faith. Uh-huh. A lot of these folks that talk so big, if something happens to them, they are the biggest whiny crybabies around. Oh, I don't understand why this happened to me. I'm a faith person. This is not supposed to be happening to me. Now, faith people don't cry like that. Why? Not nearly as much faith as you think. Do you have faith? What? Live it. Walk it. Don't try to push it off. They need to walk in the light they have. Amen. Don't they? Yep. Not try to walk in your light. Yep. They don't walk in their faith. Not in your faith. So when you're trying to help somebody, don't come for, start off trying to push your faith off on them. Find out where they're at. Find out where their faith is. What, what are they believing? Where's their con- And then hook up with them. Right? right? He said, uh, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. Keep going. He that doubts is damned, or that word damned is, is condemned. He's condemned if he eats because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If your heart's bothering you about what you're doing, you, you can't do it in faith, and it's sin to you. You keep on going and you don't feel right about it and your heart's bothering you about it. It doesn't matter what other people think or what this one or that one preached. The Bible says to you, it's sin. And so you've got to watch about people that are, they have scruples or problems. He mentions people that had problem eating certain things and not certain things. It would apply if somebody's got a problem about dress or about their hair or about any, any of these other things. Uh, don't just try to push what you believe on them and convince them to violate their conscience. 
You've hurt them if you do that. There may come a point in their life where they see it differently and they got light. But if their heart bothers don't don't try to get somebody to override their conscience. Uh, in 1 John, 1 John, verse 19, chapter 3, thank you. 1 John 3 and 19. He said, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Everybody say no. No. Did you know that Jesus never had a day as he walked the earth where he gathered the disciples together and said, guys, y'all pray. I'm just not sure what the Lord is wanting us to do, what the Father is telling me about. I thought about going over here uh, to Capernaum. But you know, those folks over here need some things too. And I'd like to just stay here and rest today too. But um, I'm just, I'm not clear. That never happened to him. You say, well, Brother Keith, Jesus, the Son of God. No, no, he's operating as a man. The Bible tells us he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. Is it possible to be clear every day? He said, I do always those things that please him. Did he, uh, he never sinned, so that means if he knew to do it, he did it. So he never violated his conscience, ever. He never lied. He was never dishonest with anybody about anything. That's impossible. He did it as a man. Proving it could be done. And he's the standard we're held up to. We're going to be judged by the standard of him. And when you say that, people go, whoo, oh no. Just shoot me now. (laughs) Put me out of my misery. (laughs) Because there's no way. I have already failed so miserably. Yeah, but you're forgetting the blood. Because of the blood... You stand clean as though you never have. But still, when you stand up cleansed, you're still supposed to set your face that I'm not going to yield to that anymore. I'm not going to override my conscience. I'm going to walk like him. If you say that you abide in him, the scripture says you ought to walk like him. Right? And he walked like this. Perfect clarity. He'd just get up and say, I've got to go over here. We're doing this. I've got to do this. Can you operate that way? I've operated in varying degrees of this. There's been days I was just as confused as anybody anywhere. My own fault. But there have been times in my life that I did this enough to where from the time I opened my eyes in the morning, I just knew, I just knew, say this, do this, go here. You just knew. Somebody said, glory to God. It's wonderful. One of the most tormenting things in life is not knowing. Isn't it? It's one of the most tormenting, vexing things in life. Should I? Shouldn't I? 
I don't know. I wonder. But God did not leave us helpless. He did not forsake us. He sent us the comforter, the helper. Didn't he? And by him, I want you to notice in the scripture, he said, we can assure our hearts before him. And verse 20, if our heart condemns us, uh, God's greater than our heart, and he knows all things, you're never going to hide anything from him. If your heart's bothering you about something, it is utter ignorance and foolishness to run from him. He already knows, doesn't he? He knew before your heart bothered you. That your heart was about to bother you. Didn't he? So to run from him and try to hide it and act like you didn't know and act like it didn't bother you is just insane. And yet millions are doing it. When your heart bothers you, what do you do? Run to him immediately. Go, Lord, you already know it. <laughs> but my heart bothered me about that. And, and I'm, forgive me. If you need to go to somebody else, you, you, you bring it up. You go, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Your heart bothered you. Your conscience bothered you. If our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart knows all things. Next verse. If our heart, what? Doesn't condemn us. That's a clear conscience. Your heart's not bothering you about anything. About your dealings with God. About your dealings with other people. Isn't that what Paul said in our text? I exercise myself all the time to keep a conscience that is clear between me and God and between me and men. You think if he exercised himself all the time for this, is it an important thing? Should we do it? If your heart condemns you not, then what? You have confidence toward God. Read the next verse. And whatever you ask, you receive of him. Does this sound like how Jesus walked? I mean, he knew. He had confidence. He knew where to go. He knew what to do. He knew what to say. How did he know this? He would say, well, he's the son of God, Brother Keith. He's omniscient. No, no, no. He is the son of God, but he emptied himself. So he's operating as a man. He knew by the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way, because... If he knew as God, there's no way we can walk like that. But if he did it by the Spirit and he'd give us the same Spirit, well then yeah, we can see it. Back up to the second chapter. Second chapter. Verse 20. You have an unction. That word means anointing. You have an anointing. From the Holy One. And what does that anointing cause in your life? You know. Not just a few things. Now that doesn't make you omniscient. It just means all things you need to know. You know. This is not a matter of figuring it out. Working it out. Reasoning it out. It's a matter you just know. You just know. Geese just know which way to fly. Salmon just know which way to swim. 
I mean, these, these animals will traverse thousands of miles. I was noticing they got a, a bird down there that you see around the church. He's a sandhill crane, about that tall. Thinks they own the place. And by law, I think they do. You better not mess with them. They come up to the window and look inside. Peck on the window. They make this uh, strange sounds and they got this little dance that they do. They're very interesting birds, big. And uh, so I I saw them and I thought I'd read up on them a little bit. Some of those guys fly back to the North Pole. They fly back to Russia. They fly thousands of miles. And some of them, they wind up at exactly the right place where their parents were born and their parents before them. They got no GPS. (laughs) They will fly up to Tennessee and eat and hang out for a few days. Take off and fly on up to somewhere else, you know, Minnesota, North Dakota, and fly on up to Canada. And, you know, they may zigzag a little bit and it'd take a few days or a few weeks, but wind up at exactly the place. How do they do that? How do they do that? There's no communication up front. You know, Jay, I think we're about three degrees off today. We better adjust to the northeast tomorrow. No reasoning, no math, no logic. Nobody going, I just don't feel right about this. No emotions. They just know. And they, they're not hindered with all the reasoning. They just yield to the knowing. And wind up in exactly the right place. At the right time. The psalmist talks about being rain trained. Any horse people in here? What's rain trained? It's kind of like power steering on a horse. You know, horse is not very well trained. Put their bit in their mouth and you have to put some pressure on it to get them to move. But a horse that's rain trained, they don't even have to have a bit. They can just feel the weight of that rain. And of course, a big old horse, that thick skin and all that muscle, that little old bitty piece of rain, what must that feel like to him? That little thing laying up against his neck and he'll just go. He feels the rain. He'll go that way. How many think the Lord ought to have some rain trained people in the church? Right? And so, God, you got to ride it in the sky or you're going to have to knock me down or something. Well, that's being a fool. He's intelligent God. We're supposed to be intelligent. Right? He's supposed to be able to communicate with us. And no, we're not supposed to try to hear voices or, or see things all the time. We're supposed to be continuously aware that there's somebody else inside of us co-witnessing with our spirit. Can you say amen? And if we'll start paying attention to that, no matter how dull we might have become, we can get tender, 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 as tender as when we were first born again. Come on, are you listening to me saying, it is a glorious 
possibility with every one of us. And more so. And you can get to the point where you wake up in the morning. And he begins to speak to you. And you know it. You know it's him. You're sure it's him. And what's the key to miracles? Whatever he says to you. Do it. And as you go here and you do this. And you say what he told you to say. And be where he told you to be when he told you to be there. And in your steps are ordered of the Lord and your path is directed of him. So many have prayed, Lord, order my steps, direct my path, but then they don't even try to be led. They don't even know that they can be. They just all up to him. No, no, no. We have a part to play. We have to respond to him. Have to yield to him. I want you to say it out loud. Stand up and say it out loud with me. I have an anointing. Of the Holy One. Say it again. I have an anointing. Of the Holy One. And I know all things. That I need to know. Thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.